You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey learners, and welcome to another episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show. Again, we have another tremendous guest for you today. His name is Oliver Perry. He's the host of the Oliver Perry Show, director of marketing for Forerunner Investing Group, as well as a U.S. Army officer. Super excited to talk to you today. You got a lot of energy, and I think you have a, a lot of great expertise for, for listeners today. But Oliver, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anthony. It's nice to be here, man. I appreciate it. That was a, that was a fantastic intro. That was really a good intro. <laughs> I appreciate I, I, I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> No, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's, I've, I actually do really appreciate you saying that because, you know, as running this podcast for the past year, you just find different ways to improve things. And, you know, I used to go through the process of reading the whole bio and that takes so long and it, and then you just kind of get drowned out by the end of what's actually going on and like who this person is. And, you know, it's three short little bits, you know, get the essence of the person and then you get into their That's background it. in the show. So I, I, I like it. doing it the, the new way here. Yeah, no, that the new stick with the new way, Anthony. Stick with the new way. That's that's not bad at all. I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, but you know, you you obviously uh, have quite a, a storied history. Just reading here through your bio, um, and a lot mm-hmm. of different places around the world, um, and then obviously got into real estate. So let's start with your military background and how that led you into real estate in the first place. Okay, not a problem. Let's get into it. So I started in college, uh, went to Virginia State University, joined the ROTC program from there, got stationed in, uh, actually, I didn't get stationed. I picked up reserve, went home, worked at uh, the Norfolk Naval Base at the Joint Forces Center there, went from there, moved into Atlanta, still a regular TPU guy, talked my way into what we call ADOS, which is basically, you know, you're still reserved, but you're doing a 24 seven job over at first army before they moved to rock Island. Then I talked my way into the AGR program. Obviously there's a something uh, repetitive here, me talking my way into stuff, but uh, <laughs> talking my way into AGR program, got stationed in Nashville, Tennessee, then stationed in Hawaii. Then I got stationed in Baltimore, uh, deployed in Baltimore to Iraq, worked at BDSC controlling all the comms between Iraq and Kuwait. 
So all the stuff that happened in Missoula, my team and I kind of handled a lot of the communication stuff that was going on on that side, on our side of that uh, of that fight. And then moved from there, got stationed in uh, Augusta, Georgia, sorry, Atlanta, Georgia, moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Kentucky, worked at Fort Knox. And now I'm back in Baltimore working in the 915 Contracting Battalion. So I am, uh, I've been around just a little bit, just, just a little bit military wise. Oh yeah. So are you still active duty then? Or are you still technically reservist? Negative. So technically I'm reservist. AGR program is a little, little weird, a little different sometimes, but it's all it is active guard reserve. And basically I am a 24 seven, um, TPU soldier more or less, just not considered reserve. So I'm still under the active duty title side. So I get all those benefits, things of that nature. It's not a, not a bad deal, not a bad deal at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, for the listeners that, uh, you know, are listening in here, a lot of them are military and, mm-hmm. and, you know, my, mm-hmm. myself active duty as well. And, and the reserve element is off is, uh, it's interesting to me as I approach the end of my you know time in active duty service. So um, let me ask you this. How did you how did you end up graduating and then move straight into doing the reserves? So what happened was, yeah, so at the original time, at that time frame, we were still having a uh, what we call LDC, LDAC. And we would go out there. Sorry, my eye. But we would go out there and we would go to this training. And it was basically a leader's course. And we go to training and we do all these things, navigation, uh, land nav you know, PT, leadership drills, things of that nature. And what would happen was they would use that criteria to decipher who coming out of college would go into the active component, the active component reserve slot, and then where they fall in therein. So I ended up failing the PT test by a single push-up. Um, we had what we call uh, push-up bullies is what they were. So you could do 10 push-ups and not, it doesn't matter if they straight or not. If you might've said something wrong or, you know, did something incorrectly, or if it's just a little bit off, they won't count it. And they were told to be strict for a reason because you know you got a, a hundred people, a hundred some odd people, but you got let's say ten age uh, reserve, not reserve, but active slots. So, what would happen is they gotta, you know, they've gotta thin the herd. It is what it is. So I ended up going into the reserve, which wasn't a bad deal. It was actually really good for me being stationed back home. It was a great way to start my career. Uh, and then on top of that, I got to work at the Joint Forces Command and got to see got to see a lot of interesting stuff and kind of got to see behind the scenes as a young lieutenant then before I moved on to the next place. Interesting. It's just really interesting. It's almost, almost vindictive, uh, you know, <laughs> that got you to the place you are. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, it, it's funny how the universe kind of places these challenges in our way, yeah. and, and you never know. We might, we might not have met. We might not, you might not have had this, you know, this storied kind of career, or, or be involved in real estate. Maybe if you had uh, gone a different route and gone, you know, full time active duty. Who knows? But uh, no, you that's know, a fact. The, the path, that's is, fact. path is put ahead of you for a reason. So it's uh, yes, sounds like it you're is. taking full advantage of it. Absolutely, man. You can only, you can only deal with what you're given. And from there, it's on you how you play the game. So I'm always adamant on, yes, I didn't want to go to reserve. No offense to any of my reserve brothers and sisters out there. I just didn't want to at the time. I wanted to go full on active. I wanted to deploy. I wanted to go out there and be the bad guy, quote unquote, and do some hula hula <laughs> kung fu ninja stuff. And it just didn't it just didn't work out. Um, and it's actually for the good, because later on, you know, I got bad knees, I'm an old man. You know, just can't get around like you used to. So it only sped up the process if I got in there early. So <laughs> I'll take my advantage where I can. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it looks like you got stationed, you know, pretty much all, or at least deployed all around the world. Where was your uh, yep. favorite country to be deployed to? Ooh, favorite country to go to was Japan. 
I love Japan and, and for various reasons. Some I won't get into here on the podcast. Others, <laughs> though, were less nefarious. It was just a beautiful place to be. Like the, the country itself is just a really beautiful country. Not saying that ours is not, but like when I went there and somebody would drop a piece of trash and I would literally see three or four people go to grab it. And, you know, it just, it was just how their culture was. Everybody was polite. Um, I did get pushed around a little bit in the train system, which is apparently normal there. I found that out <laughs> later on, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I had fun. They had so many things that I was kind of interested in and that I'd like to see that I got to go around Shibuya. I got to go to Tokyo. I got to go to Sapporo. I got to go to Akihabara. I was kind of everywhere while I was there and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a good time. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, living here in Japan has been, uh, it's been amazing, you know, one in a lifetime opportunity. And, and, you know, we were just talking before we hit record here about the, it's cherry blossom season here. And yeah, man, I just, it, it's just, it, for those, for those guys who've never been to Japan before, uh, cherry blossom season happens maybe two weeks out of the year uh, yep. about this time. And uh, specifically and my street, like it's, it's probably a mile and a half of just cherry blossoms all up and down our street. And they're just gorgeous. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you've ever watched an anime with any cherry blossoms in it, the anime, you know, animation where they <laughs> yeah. have the cherry blossoms falling, yeah. that's like actually what happens. Like it's straight out of an anime when they all start falling, you know, towards the end of the season. And it's, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful being here in cherry blossom season. And, and I agree. Beautiful overall, just being in Japan. It really is. It smells terrible. I will say that it smells absolutely horrible. Those cherry blossoms. <laughs> I don't know who's, who made them sound like you, they look like they should smell amazing, but man, oh man, they're not, I mean, you get used to the smell. Of course, it's not that repugnant, but it, you, it's a def, it's definitely a difference. You can tell when it's cherry blossom season, as opposed to when it's not. But uh, like Anthony said, I, I absolutely agree. Anthony, it is 100% probably some of the most beautiful scenes I've seen uh, just in my travels up to this point. And I haven't hit Italy. I haven't hit Africa. I hit quite a few places, but as of right now, Japan's that, that view in Japan during cherry blossom season untouched. It's just untouched. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm actually going to be upset when we leave in a couple of years, because it, you know, <laughs> we're really getting used to, to living here. And, you know, and another thing you're talking about, like everyone's very respectful. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's gotten to the point where, I'll get on a train and it's, it's kind of an unspoken, you know, secret that you just, you don't talk on the train or you don't be disruptive to other people. Right. So when I hear like, when I see other Americans getting on and they're like very clearly Americans, cause they like, you, (laughs) you can definitely tell when you're on the ballot and you like run into other Americans, (laughs) it's, it's very clear. And uh, you know, it's gotten to the point where I'm like uncomfortable listening to other people talk on the train and like almost like want to tell them to be quiet, you know? (laughs) That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's it's interesting. When I, I experienced that as well, and we got when I first got there, I got a few scowls. Then I got used to it. And it was okay. I got it. They, you know, less not to be disturbing, not to be rude. And then when I would ride on the train with friends, we'd keep it down to the, the whisper level. Hey, how you doing? All's well. That kind of thing. Um, and even then, it was it just it's just interesting because so many people are there and they're so used to us as Americans. It doesn't seem like it phases them. But boy, you start talking too loud on that train. You will get a shush. You will get a scowl or two. <laughs> Absolutely guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, man. Now it's 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 a very different culture. I will say that. Very different culture. Yes, it is. So. Yes, it is. All right. So you you got deployed all over the country, all over the world. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it looks like when you were stationed in Fort Knox, you started getting into real estate. Is that right? 
That's correct. I started getting to real estate into Fort and when I hit Fort Knox, um, I always say that I was in it before that, but I was on the wrong side, if you will, right? So when we go around, we're renting. A lot of us are living in a spot and we're renting. We're investing. We're just not investing on the right side of the game. So when I got out to Fort Knox, I kind of realized that and decided to get into wholesaling, which was in itself a very interesting experience. So I did a lot of working for free. Um, I met quite a few mentors. I ended up starting a uh, an REI group right outside of Fort Knox in that area. And we're just still standing the gate, thank God. And they're still pushing through and they're connecting with the guys in Louisville as well. So I got to do a lot while I was there and experience a lot. And wholesaling, I learned very quickly, was not an easy thing to do. Uh, I still have a wholesaling business now with a partner of mine. And her and I are actually also part of the Forerunner Investing Group. But man, oh man, those lessons you learn, <laughs> lessons you learn in wholesaling, it's not like anything else. I tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's... Uh... It, it, uh, I feel like it's easy to get into wholesaling. It's, it's difficult mm -hmm. to be good at wholesaling. Um, you know, yes. and there's, uh, there's a lot of people doing it. There's a lot of chaff out there. There's a lot of people that just, um, I said make a bad name for wholesalers. You know, the guys that just blindly will market you and send you texts and, you know, emails. Right. And it's very clearly looking like spam. And it's, it's, um, I think the, the, the best guys in wholesaling are the ones that can stand out among, among all of that, uh, uh, like I said, chaff. So yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely right. It's it's something that is, and it's a, a nature of the business. Unfortunately, and fortunately at the same time, you know, there's people out there that need help, but a lot of the wholesalers that are out there aren't taught the correct way before starting. They're they're just hey, I'm just gonna go. Which I understand as an entrepreneur, you should be ready, fire, aim. It shouldn't be the other way around. But at the same time, in this particular business, it very quickly turns into a bad taste in people's mouths. So you see a lot of people will uh, come down on wholesalers and give them a hard time or say, hey, things, things like, hey, I hope you make a better career choice or you're the trash of the earth. Things really, really hurtful and disrespectful things. But not realizing wholesaling is just a tool for the real estate investor. Every real estate investor can wholesale or will wholesale at some point in their life if they really want to, or if they need to, it's just another tool in the tool belt, as opposed to it being, you know, this wholesaling category. So it's wholesaling is really interesting to say the least. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, it sounds like you, you got into wholesaling in 2018 in Fort Knox, you, you know, bought a few properties here and there, and now you're, you know, the bona fide expert on marketing. So, so let's talk about, you know, how, how you transition into that. Cause, Okay. Um, marketing seems to be a difficult topic for a lot of people to kind of grasp if they're not necessarily like an energetic, charismatic person, right. Um, right. or they don't do the research and all that. So, so what's, you know, how did you get into marketing and, and, you know, what are some tips and tricks to, to be really good at marketing? Okay. Too easy. So I started marketing while I was actually in Kentucky. So what I would do is I would record myself while I was in Kentucky and put it on Facebook or not Facebook, put it on IG at the time. It was constantly on IG and I'm just walking around, taking pictures and recording myself going through very, very sketchy locations out in Louisville, uh, out in uh, Fort Knox, uh, out in the boonies in the country. I went through a trailer park that had some kind of raccoons or something underneath it. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> had all kinds of things going on. And what I would do is I would go in, like I said, I would record. And I normally have a friend of mine with me kind of watch my back, that kind of thing, make sure it maintains safety. And we would go through and record and I just post it. And that became in itself its own beast. I took a break for a while, then came back to it and realized 
through what I experienced in wholesaling and what I experienced then that, oh, this is a thing that I can do to really get our name out there as far as a business, as well as bring customers to me as opposed to me going to chase a customer. So to answer your question in regards to how they can get better at it, what you can do is one, you have to do the research. There's all kinds of YouTube videos. There's all kinds of people on IG that will literally go through line by line and they will tell you how to do whatever you want to do when it comes to marketing. The tricky part is, is that if you're not paying to play the game, you're going to have to do the free, the free kind of sift through. And that sift through is tough because it's not always clear. There's no A to Z kind of compilation when it comes to Instagram, YouTube. You just have to come up with a question, whatever your question is, and search it. For those who are introverts, I always say curate. And what that means is take somebody's article, read the article, add your input, post it onto the site, whatever that site that is, be it LinkedIn, be it IG, be it Facebook. Take your time and do that. Don't worry so much about getting on camera. You don't have to worry about your voice being over it if you don't want to. You have the ability to just take articles, take quotes, put things out there. The biggest thing that you can do with real estate marketing and just marketing in general is getting the habit when it comes to social media is just posting. After that, it starts to become more comfortable. You start to get better and better. Then you say, okay, you know, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the chance. I'm gonna get on live one time. Good. Now you're gonna live a second time and a third and a fourth. The ball starts rolling. So everything is just a matter of you being comfortable with who you are and just taking your time and getting there as opposed to doing what everybody else is doing and hopping on camera all the time. That's not always not always the best way. I'm relatively good at it. I think Anthony's pretty good at it at this point, but it's all because of repetition. We didn't start out like this. We're here now, sure, but we didn't start this way. So that's that's my advice, Anthony, in regards to camera or not camera necessarily, but but uh, marketing and getting on the marketing and getting on social media and putting your voice out there and put yourself out there. I love it. I love it, man. And you know, I th I think you know what you talked about there is the research part of it. I think it's huge, and and I think that's applicable. 100%. Whether, whether you're dealing in marketing or real estate investing in general is uh, um, is you need to do a little bit of research to get a little bit of education before you start taking the, the steps. Right. But, you know, there, there comes a point where too much research, too much education is just going to stop you from doing anything. Right. Or you don't feel yep. prepared. Right. Because you need to know the next thing. So for those guys who, you know, um, may be introverted, may not even know mm -hmm. how to get started on, um, you know, talking about different topics, you know, um, mm -hmm. Case in point, you know, when I first got started with putting stuff up on social media, I was like, you know, why would people want to listen to me? Like, what am I, what am I going to say? Right. Like, why, you know, what's the topic going to be? Like, how long should I do this? Should I wear something nice? Right. And I was thinking about all of these different factors instead of just going out and, and making something. So for those right. guys who are like, hey, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Um, and then I also don't feel like an expert in anything. What do you have for those guys? Mm -hmm. Mm, that is always a tough question. So when you don't feel like the expert in anything, you are automatically wrong, right? There's, there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. You're good at something. Now you might not be paying attention or it doesn't come across, but it's always something that normally you're passionate about or normally you've experienced in your life. So assuming, let's assume we have a job in IT department. That's an easy one. But let's say you're working at a clothing store. It's not so easy to say, okay, I'm, you know, I don't really like anything about clothing. Well, just talk with, about what you know. You don't necessarily have to like it starting out. The thing is what we do when we say ready, fire, aim, it's all a matter of going. During that going process, you're going to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So for perfect example, I started doing uh, flipping. 
I went to flip. I knew I had a goal of 625 doors. That was my goal in my head. I'm, like, I'm going to go do a flip. I went and did a flip. The flip went terribly. And I had a mentor. <laughs> the flip went horribly. We spent like $45,000 over budget. We were, it was, it was the absolute, it wasn't the worst, but it was really bad. Just say for the first time. But the fact is on the other end of it, I discovered, okay, 625 doors. It's going to take me 500 years to do one flip at a time to get to 625 doors. It's just not going to work. I got to change it up, right? So the same thing when it comes to marketing, you're not going to know what you know when the time comes, but until you start speaking, you won't find your voice. So just be comfortable with talking about something that you do enjoy, something you like. You can get on and talk about, let's say you're a gamer or you're a video gamer at home. Let's talk about the worst video game you've ever played and be honest about it. Listen, this game was terrible. I don't know what was going on. The screen cut glitching. My controller flew out of my hands and walked upstairs in protest. I don't know what was happening, but that you just start going and talking about whatever it is. Be yourself, be natural. People think that coming on to marketing is being loud and boisterous and all these things. It's not, it's just being yourself. There is many a person I can tell you right now who aren't really boisterous, aren't really loud, but their personality shines. And we can say these people are sometimes odd, but they're odd because they're original. And it's okay to be original because you're gonna be odd to somebody regardless of whether you choose to or don't. You just have to be honest yourself and go. And in real estate, that is exactly what you should do. Just start putting stuff out. You're gonna get there, you'll figure it out as you go along, but you have to choose something you have to go. Man, I mean, great, great words of advice there. I, I, if you if you guys are listening to this right now, you definitely need to stop it and replay what he just said because that that is huge there. Um, and you know, I think being authentic to yourself is mm. it's difficult for a lot of people to to. You know, it was for me to get started is like, hey, like you know, what is my what who is my true self, right? Am I am I going right. to be this person that is uh, you know projecting some sort of expertise when I don't necessarily feel like it? Like he has some sort of imposter syndrome. Um, or like, what if people hate on this or what if you don't get enough likes and all that? And, you know, and I'll add on, I think that one of two things, you're going to find that there's going to be haters and there's going to be people who are going to be in your court regardless. Right. Um, regardless of what you say, you could be, you know, totally neutral as possible, but someone is going to say something that is, you know, is going to be hurtful and you're going to feel disillusioned and you're going to feel like, you know, why am I doing this? You know, I'm not. You know, I, I've been doing this for two months and I only have, you know, my aunt following me on YouTube. Right. Uh, and right. <laughs> uh, it, it's going to it's going to take a while. Right. I mean, I think um, a lot of people think that we have these overnight successes with people who are successful in social media and, and in marketing right. and, you know, and in business in general. But, you know, you don't see the, uh, the other 20 or 30 years of them struggling and, and striving and losing money and, and potentially going bankrupt and and all of these struggles and failures that they had during that time, you know, you, you don't see that on social media and, you know, right. some of the best social media, um, I guess, influencers, if you want to call them that, or, or presence I've seen are, are individuals who are, are vulnerable and show that side of them because, That's you know, bad. I think nowadays you have so many people that just projected this one side, this flowery side, this, you know, the super powerful, uh, successful side of them. And you don't see all of the issues that they're having in the background. You don't see the true kind of royal rounded person. So I think you're absolutely correct in, in being authentic. But I mean, I think it be, means being authentic when you're having a bad day and being authentic when you're having a great day. Because people, people want to see that. People, especially in business, 
if you're going to be raising money, people want to trust who you are. Like they don't want to see one particular side of you. They want to see all sides of you. They want to know that you're a person, a human, just like them. Yep. Yep. And the most humanizing thing is when you go through some pain or you go through something difficult. I've got a YouTube myself and I got a dislike. Anthony, I've never been so excited about something this terrible in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I had like 10, 15 views because I just started not too long ago. But having a dislike, I was like, oh, we've made it. We, we're here. So it, to me, you have to be okay with that kind of thing because it's coming. No matter what you do, like Anthony said, it's going to come, period. The only thing you can control is how you receive it. People are not going to like what you say. People are going to love what you say. I've heard it best put. A gentleman said, out of the 10 people that watch your stuff, five people are going to hate it. Two, two people are going to like it and three people are going to be on the fence it, every time. It just is what it is. So just be okay with it. Don't worry about feeding the hate. Don't worry about recovering from the hate. Let the hate come. The hate shows that you've made it. Nobody makes a fake spam account on IG, YouTube, Facebook, unless you're doing something right. It just doesn't happen. Like I, I can't wait to see the Oliver Perry with three Y's. That's going to be amazing. That means somebody's, <laughs> somebody saw me and said, oh, he's doing something amazing. I'm going to get on that train. So be okay with that. Be okay with yourself. Understand most of these people, not most of them, just about not a single one of them you're ever going to see in your life. And if you do see them, you'll never know. And they're never going to say anything to you. So it's okay. True. True that. So, so let me ask you something that's, that's I think is um, maybe on a lot of people's minds when they're getting started with social media marketing or just marketing Absolutely. in general. And yeah. that is, is, um, how do you um, measure your success when it comes to social media marketing? I guess measure your success in the right ways. And, and what I'm going more towards is, you know, I think a lot of people focus on the likes and the comments and, you know, how, how many, you know, instant gratification buttons can I push at once on this post right. um, right. versus more of the tangible uh, aspects or factors of, you know, is your marketing actually successful or not? So, so how do you kind of go about valuing, hey, this is a good post, this isn't a good post, you know, the marketing is working or not working? Okay, not a problem. So what I would recommend doing in this particular case is two things. First thing is test, test everything. You put a picture up, let's say on, uh, let's say YouTube, perfect example. You put a photo on YouTube, you do a thumbnail. One video, you have it, your name in blue. One video, you have it, your name in red. Test it. See what happens. See if you get more views. If you don't give me more views, look at the analytics. Don't be so concerned about the follows, the subscribes, the likes. Look at the actual analytics. Those numbers are just that numbers. Don't worry about the comments and all that stuff starting out. Just worry about those numbers because the numbers are going to tell you if you need to go left, if you need to go right. If you put one post up and it gets 20 views, clearly you did something right there. If one puts one view, Clearly you did something wrong in that area. So compare the two, figure out what was wrong or figure out what was right and try it again. So you put another post up the same style, same fashion. Let's assume in this particular example, like we said, let's say the YouTube blue was the one that took off. It goes nuts. So you say, okay, got it. So you try the same blue, different words. Okay, the words didn't work this, way, this time. Okay, got it. Just continue to tweak, continue to tweak, continue to turn. And this works for all platforms, LinkedIn, IG, Facebook, YouTube, some that don't even exist yet. They all work. Clubhouse, you see people on Clubhouse constantly changing their icons because some icons will get more attention to you. Some icons won't. It's weird and it makes absolutely no sense, but 
it's how you go about reading the crowd and you're basically reading the room is what you're doing that's what a comedian would say you'd be reading the room if you get a bunch of laughs okay you know something about that joke worked but if you're not getting any laughs you got to get off the stage or you have to tweak that joke it's probably going to be the latter of the two because you don't want to get off stage you want to keep going period so my recommendation again is to give it a shot put the test out there look at those numbers compare the numbers good or bad and give yourself time be okay with not it not going well at first because there is zero people, and I mean absolutely zero, who started on any social media platform and succeeded immediately. They all had to take time. Kanye West had to start from zero. Uh, Barack Obama had to start from zero. Donald Trump had to stop from, start from zero. Everybody starts from zero. You're not gonna be an exception, and it's okay. You just have to find your own style and flavor as you go around, but you have to keep going around. If you stop, then you gotta start all over again, and it's, it's always gonna suck when you start over again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh absolutely agree could not could not agree more and i think that a b testing you're talking about there is is you know huge for email marketing it's huge on social mm -hmm. media marketing i mean it's it's huge and just putting your face out there right and getting feedback absolutely. on it um you know if you're if you're constantly doing the same kind of content the same type of videos the same format and all of that and not changing anything and expecting a different result that's like the definition of madness right <laughs> yes, so it is. i uh I, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, the testing that you do there is, is going to be integral. Um, and so, you know, what, what are some other, uh, I guess, KPIs that you're looking at outside of views to, to see if it's, if it's actually working or not. Right. And, okay. and I'm kind of leading down this question towards um, at what point should you say, Hey, you know, I'm spending, let's say a thousand dollars on marketing, uh, putting mm -hmm. out all these ads and putting out these videos and so on and so forth you know, when should you start to kind of see a return on your investment there and, and right. say, Hey, you know, I need to kind of change directions here. This isn't working. Right. This is working that type of idea. So first thing I would say is if you can help it at all, try to keep from spending money <laughs> period, <laughs> right? Try to try to do as cheap as possible. I'll give you an easy trick. If you're going, let's say you're doing advertisement on Facebook. If you go on, sorry, not Facebook, IG, you're going to do advertisement on IG. If you go through the IG program, it's not going to work as well. What I would recommend is you go through Facebook. When you go through Facebook, you do everything in the, in the vein of getting them to go click your profile. Here's what I say that, because if you go onto Facebook and you promote through IG stories, you're paying per click. A click is only considered when you slide up on that on that phone or whatever direction they have you. But if they click your profile, then go to whatever, you're going to save money because that's not considered a click. So one easy trick, one simple trick, just so you can take that away. But again, going back to the point, I, sorry, I went off a tangent there. <laughs> so back to the point with you doing all the advertising, you want to avoid as much as possible. But also understand if you're going to say, okay, this is going to be my spending, my marketing budget, give it at least three to six months to take effect. Perfect example in wholesaling. If you do the, the, uh, what is it? The banner, the banner signs, you do the bandit signs. You're going to put the bandit signs out. You're going to go months on end spending money on bandit signs. It's just what it is. But that funnel starts to build. It starts to build. It starts to build. And then when it hits, and then floodgates open and then you're going to you're drowning in contacts and calls and you don't know what to do because you didn't set yourself up. You thought it was going to be, you know, the whole way through. Just understand whenever you're starting any marketing program, any style of marketing, whether it Facebook, be it pigeons, be it 
flyers, be it whatever it is, anything you start, it's going to take three to six months to actually take. You just have to be okay with it taking that time. You have to budget that stuff in prior to and say to yourself, okay, I'm going to give this five months. If it doesn't take, if something doesn't happen, or I don't make something in five months from it, then I'm going to go try something different. Or I'm going to tweak this and try something different. But you have to put that budget in place so that you know that you give it that shot. I love it. I love it, man. And I think you're absolutely right on, on the timing thing. And uh, I, I'm, mm. I think the same thing is true when it comes to podcasting as well. Is that, yes. Has that been your experience <laughs> yes. as well? Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Yes, it has. It's, uh, it's definitely a matter of putting stuff out there, even, even guests you know, booking guests, I have six episodes up, seventh will drop tomorrow. And I have 23 in pocket, what we call it in pocket, you're just kind of it's kind of the back room, I've already done the 23 episodes. Problem is, I started and that floodgate just opened. I started getting Oh, okay, people, people are okay with this. Oh, let me get this on schedule. And but I did not have the systems in place, which I ended up starting to get drowned. So I figured that out, fix that. And now it's starting to restart again. So I got to start from scratch again, which sucks. But now I know, okay, people are willing to come on the podcast and you start putting stuff out there. You put 10 invites again, put 10 invites out. You might get 10 contacts back or sorry, two contacts back three weeks from now, another three from that first 10 you put might come out, but you've already put another 10. So now you're 20, 30, 40, 50, so on and so forth. You just got to keep the ball rolling and that flood. <laughs> The information will come. People will come to the podcast. People will come to whatever you're looking to do, but you have to be consistent. Consistency wins or loses. That's it. You just got to be consistent, period. Love it. I love it, man. And uh, yeah, I, I ran the same issues when I started this podcast. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be like a piece of cake. Like, you know, the editing is right? going to be great. Um, you know, I wasn't really thinking about graphics or how I was going to put it up on social media. And it was like, right. I mean, look, you know, it's been a year now and I'm getting these Facebook, you know, one year updates of like what you posted a year ago. And I'm seeing like the graphics we used for the podcast a year ago. And so it's like cringeworthy, <laughs> you know, what was being put up there. But, you know, the, and that that's a whole, you know, that's that's life. I mean, you're growing and, and learning Absolutely. and constantly changing and improving the process and, you know, improving your graphics and how you do your systems and your processes. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you look at some of these these big, you know, podcaster names that are out there like the like Whitney Sewell's daily show that he runs. I mean, mm -hmm. he's got that, he's got that system down on, on lockdown. You know, he's got his VAs that, you know, kind of feed the funnel. He's got his whole mm -hmm. system set up for when you sign up for a particular time, all the emails that come out to you, the reminders that come out to you through Calendly, you know, how to actually fill out your, you know, your bio and your headshot, where to actually send it to, how to prepare. Like, it's just, right. you know, all of this is so, is so streamlined for him, but he's, he's been doing this for years years now yeah. right you yeah. know in hundreds and hundreds of episodes and uh and, you know this, it goes just goes to say that you know this is all of this process takes time and you right. just need to be open to constantly improving improving the process and uh Absolutely. and it's it's a journey man it's a journey it is. <laughs> it is it is man this whole podcast game podcasting youtube all this stuff it, like we said it's all about that process you and what's funny is to me you'd be amazed i'll still get people that'll say Oh, you're on Instagram. First of all, Instagram is a huge platform. Everybody's what are you talking? Everybody's on Instagram. Then I, like I'm waiting for the people a year from now to say, Oh, you have a podcast. You have a YouTube. I'm literally posting it once, maybe twice or three or four times a week. I got because, you know, you want to get people into to get into it to be a part of it. But it's it's hilarious because no matter how big you get, 
people will always not know. So you have to, like I said, keep being consistent because the minute you drop off and you disappear, that one person who lives in Kalamazoo who never saw you will never see you and you could have changed his or her life. So Mm -hmm. give it your all, give it your all. Consistency Mm -hmm. is everything. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I I can't, can't tell you how many times I posted something when I didn't want to and like Mm -hmm. got a reaction from it, or I've had someone, you know, an investor reach out to me or, or something. Right. You know, and it's, it's just crazy. You never know. You never know what's going to happen from that post until you actually post it. Um, And it could be bad. It could be good, but I I think, I think you're absolutely right. It is consistency there for sure. Um, All right, Oliver, I want to get into the snapshot round to, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what your answers are here. So you ready? (laughs) Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. All right. All ahead, plank, cavitate, snapshot, tube, tube. All right, here we go. First question. Oliver, what is your number one failure in real estate? Number one failure in real estate was not knowing more about the property that we purchased when we purchased the first flip. We purchased our first flip here in Baltimore with myself and my mentor. First and last flip probably I'll do for a while. But the day after we purchased the flip, it rained. The next day we came into the basement and there's puddles in the basement. Now, there was, here's a trick. There was no way we could know that unless we went down there, took a bucket of water and just tossed it, which in hindsight, maybe we should have done that <laughs> because at that point it became, that added another 5,000. And then from there, the ball just kept rolling, but it was, it was bad, but it was good because we learned so many lessons. We learned about, you know, the veneering on the walls. We learned about the issue with plastering here in Baltimore. We learned about the water levels here in Baltimore. We learned about, you know, the French drain, that was a brand new experience. We learned that a single nail in a roof can shake loose and cause a leak to happen on your upstairs roof. Who knew? I know now, and it'll, I'll probably be, you know, continually have that $45,000 debt in my pocket. In my mind, it'll always be there, <laughs> but you know, it'll save me another 45 to 130,000 something later on. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That education is expensive, but uh, you definitely <laughs> yes, learn from it. it. Is. You and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, as an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? Ooh, I'm gonna give you two bits of advice. One, don't be afraid. The fear is going to keep you from going anywhere. If you're not afraid to jump out of planes, if you're not afraid to join the military and get shot at mortars shot at you, missiles, Sharks, if you're in the Navy, I don't even know if that's an issue for your Navy guys, but whatever. Sharks in the Navy, you know, whatever it might be, you've conquered already one of the biggest fears that most Americans have in this joining the military. Because of the stuff that's put on social media, because of push stuff that's put on media in the first place, those are all fears. So you've already done that. Don't be afraid to go into real estate. The way that you counter this fear is you find other people who are doing it. Learn from them. Be okay with working for free. The very first deal that I had for wholesaling came from me working for free for about five, four to five months. Mr. Luke Neubauer, shout out to Luke. If you're out there listening, God willing, you are. If you're out there listening, he changed you. You know, you changed the way that I saw things because I worked for free. So be okay with working with someone for free and understand. Yes, you're working for free, but the money that you get from those lessons, priceless, absolutely priceless. So those are my two That's tips. Amazing. Awesome. Love it. All right. What inspired you to serve your country? I'm going to be, I'm be 100% honest. I was being selfish. 
<laughs> I joined the U.S. Army because I wanted to be an animator. I wanted to work in the graphics field coming out of college. So I wanted to be an animator out of college, came out, did graphics, all that great stuff. I thought that's what Signal was in the U.S. Army. Of course, young, dumb, and wild and free, I did it anyway. I took it on, and sure enough, Signal was not what I thought it was going to be. But I stuck it out. I actually ended up enjoying it my time at in every location I've been so far. I've enjoyed my time. Even the difficult places have taught me major lessons that I've taken for the rest of my life and done things that have uh, others might think might be wild or crazy, but thus in the military, it makes perfect sense. So that was the reason I joined the military to actually get into graphics and art and design and animation. And here where we are 16 years later, still not doing any of it. <laughs> Man, that, there's a that uh, recruiter must have just said something great for you to, to join to be an I animator. Mean, That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, they were smooth as butter. I thought I was ready to go. I thought I was gonna be good to go. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Awesome. Yeah, that that's that's really funny. All right, and the last question for you, Oliver. What is your dream? My dream is to be so effective at real estate that I affect the lives of my kids, kids, kids. I want it to be, I want to be so deep into real estate, so heavy into being able to influence the lives. I want to be able to influence the lives of the people that are around me, not just my family. I want to be able to inter, uh, to influence Anthony's life. I want to be able to influence my partner, Jamisia's life. I want to be able to influence my partner, Hema and Joe's life. I want to influence their kids, kids, kids. If I can do that, then I can do more than just change things in my own stratosphere. I could change those in other people's stratosphere as well. So the more that I get after the real estate, the more that I get deep into real estate and I really understand the game, then I can branch out to other things I enjoy, soccer, animation, uh, video games. I can influence other people in different fields and then bring it all back into real estate and everybody gets to eat, everybody gets to win. Everybody can sit at the table. Love it. I love it, man. Awesome. Hey, uh, Oliver, I've really enjoyed having you on here today and sharing, you know, a, a lot of expertise on marketing on, you know, kind of the intricacies of different social medias, you know, how you got started, you know, the wholesaling aspect. I mean, I think this is, is tremendous what you've, what you've been able to do while active duty, right? And, and still active duty and still, you know, deploying all over the, all over the world. Uh, so if people want to reach out to you and learn more about you, where can they go? Absolutely. I've got three places you can go. You can go to at the Oliver Perry on IG. You can go to the Oliver Perry show on YouTube or just type in Oliver Perry. It'll pop up or you can look up the Oliver Perry on Facebook as well. I'm also on LinkedIn. Not as active. We're fixing that here very, very soon. But uh, <laughs> those are the places that you can find me. I'm always there. Send me a message. If you like, you can also send me an email at Oliver at ForerunnerInvesting.com. All right, and we'll include that in the show notes as well. Oliver, again, appreciate thanks for coming awesome. on here. I appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge, and I uh, hope you have an awesome day back in the States, and uh, you know, stay safe during these COVID times. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Anthony. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy those cherry blossoms, brother. Enjoy those cherry oh, blossoms. Man. I will. I have That's to send you some pictures. <laughs> please, man. Please do, because I'll sit there and watch, look at them, too, for hours. <laughs> all right. Take care, bud. You too, brother. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments. 
and listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.